We're back! We're back! We're truly back! It's a distraction. I'm through. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. How are you feeling? I feel fucking great. Wow. God. Wow. Uh, Calm down. There's no, no ordinary week, Roth. I, I might be getting ahead of myself, but this week... Uh, this is the week to Factor launches! Yeah, we can say it. Yeah, it's incredible. It. It's cool. It my, my sleep has never been worse. Yeah. Oh my god, I slept. Actually, I slept well last night, and I slept like shit uh, the the week prior. And I have I have more to talk about about that. But first, I need to introduce our our special guest this week. It's the immortal Lauren Tyson. Say hi, Lauren. Hey guys, I was holding in my enthusiasm because I wanted to preserve the surprise. Yeah, <laughs> I had no idea that Lauren was going to be here. This is incredible, Drew. Thank you so much. This is so thoughtful. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, Defector may be live by the time you listen to this. I cannot guarantee that, uh, but it, uh, it will be a matter if it's not live by the time you're listening to this, it will be, uh, in short order. Lauren Tyson is with us, not only because Lauren Tyson is fantastic, but also, uh, in a bit of full circle, uh, well, I have no noun to put there, but (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, it's a positive. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Lauren, you were the final guest, um, on the on the last podcast we hosted, the Deathcast, yeah. uh, you were you and I believe, and I we'll we'll go through this. Uh, I believe, Lauren, you quit that the day of that podcast. I did or the yeah. next morning. That yeah. recording was the last time I was in the the office because, like, I was going to try and like ride out the rest of the week, but they like took my key card and everything that day that I quit. So yeah, it was like probably like two hours later, two hours after that recording, that yeah, I just left. And now we're I re- back. I remember when I quit, I gave like two days notice or something so I get insurance. And I was like, I was like, well, I hope they don't actually make me work those two days because I don't actually want to work or do anything. And they didn't. They locked yeah. me out of Slack and all that. I was stuff planning to do stuff. one last blog, but then yeah, I got locked out of everything. Yeah, my last well, you blog do- was now you- the one about our podcast. Just being like, this yeah. one's going to be really sad. You shouldn't listen if you don't want to get sad. <laughs> <laughs> but now instead of doing last posts. You're gonna be doing first post. Yes, my Tom Brennan post. This damn gonna... podcast with these <laughs> damn Drew McGarrys and Lauren Tyson's. I have to tell you, uh, last night, um, like when we announced the launch of Defector back in July, uh, I was literally nauseous. Um, like I, I like I, I wanted to barf that morning. I didn't barf. I later barfed. Like two weeks later, I barfed for no reason on the front lawn. Oh, I don't congrats, think that man. was. A tri- I don't think that was attributable to. To defectors uh, coming existence. I think I just ate. I think I ate like some bad food or something. <laughs> Can't that. blame that on the. You know, there's a lot of things that are wrong with online media. But if you eat old ham, it's not online media's fault. <laughs> anyway, last night, uh, instead of being uh, nervous or nauseous, I was grumpy. I was like pissy. I don't. Have either of you experienced this prior to something, some big life event coming where you get, instead of being excited or happy, you get angry for some odd reason no honestly i i've been like super nervous about you know putting out a good website that people like and i've like felt the pressure but um i don't know i don't get grumpy i get cynical and i can get like kind of sad and stuff but i don't i don't sort of get angry in that sense but yeah i've been i mean you, it, i've been feeling the pressure but i'm excited about, about it uh, i've been sad about this no because every like nothing has like let us down so far i mean it's all sort of looking off into the future and like being worried about shit but like you know this sort of group of people and this like audience has never let me down before and so 
Yeah, it's you jinxed so it great. now. Now a tree's oh, gonna gosh. fall on my yeah. fucking head. When I, walk I cannot <laughs> wait to let you guys down. This is gonna be so good. I'm gonna suck <laughs> ass. <laughs> uh, Lawrence, since you're here, you are the resident hockey knower at Defector. So please, oh god, we're doing it's it. Time. Oh the my NHL god. playoff minute. It's yes. time. It's time for a rundown of, of the NHL playoffs. Uh, I'm gonna be performatively stupid here. I I know. I know. <laughs> I will not I be faking it at all. Yeah. So I'm. I'm but real. Can we can we go through the NHL playoff bracket as it stands now? It will not be the same by the time this posts. But let's let's go through what the NHL playoff bracket looks like at the moment. Give me uh, the Western Conference. Okay. Yeah. So we're in the conference finals. It's the Stars and the Golden Knights. The first 85 minutes or so of that series, I would have told you it was a real like sort of grind them out, slowed down like defensive struggle. Uh, the game one, the Stars <sighs> won at one nothing. But then the Golden Knights finally came alive. They finally started scoring after like not finding uh, the net like at all, even at the end of the Vancouver series. And they won 3 nothing last night. They scored three goals real quick in the second period, just sort of found their groove. And they look really good. I know it's like kind of dumb maybe to just go off one game and suddenly feel like they've all totally changed. But the Knights look really, really talented. They look good. Uh, they look better than the Stars right now. So yeah, there was a one nothing loss and then a 3-1 win last night. Series is tied 1-1. Knights look good. That's good because Dallas stole the North Stars from Minnesota so they can eat shit and die forever. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Dallas. They shouldn't what, have uh, hockey in Texas. Uh, if, if Vegas makes the final again, second consecutive year, there will... If they make it again, they will not have existed without ever having gone to the Stanley Cup Finals. No, well, is... Blues Bruins last year. Oh, all right. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here. I'm, I'm not going to fact check you, Lauren. This That's is, why I'm on the pod. You have to do this. They'll have gone two out of three years in their existence. And if they win this year... Uh, You've watched enough bubble hockey, and I've, I've watched something that's been very good. Would you count it as legitimate if the Knights pull it off and win their first ever uh, Stanley Cup in the third year of their existence? Yeah, I was very like sort of anti like awarding the Stanley Cup this year because of how weird it was and because of how it was just its own sort of separate tournament with 22 teams. I thought they should create a new trophy and just like brand it as something different, as like a battle royale of some sort. But the looking more and more like what the players have sacrificed to do this of spending, you know, weeks and weeks in Toronto or Edmonton without, you know, being with your family or being able to like sort of connect to anything besides hockey. uh, I can like sort of respect the emotional toll that takes. And yeah, I I'm a fan. I consider this like legitimate and I consider this to be like a really impressive accomplishment. Uh, Whoever does win the cup. If you if you. If you had to stay in Edmonton and not Toronto for this, I have more admiration. Everyone's in Edmonton now. Everyone, uh, even the Eastern Conference, has moved from Toronto to Edmonton. Okay, but if you had to spend the whole time in Edmonton, like that really blows. (laughs) I mean, not that you could do anything in Toronto either. Yeah, that's sort of like restricted in terms of like what to be someplace that's actually cool and not be able to do anything than to be like in Edmonton. I mean, they're just in their hotels and in certain facilities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're isolated in Toronto, but like a polar bear isn't going to attack you. <laughs> <laughs> you can look out your window and see some like nice sights, at least in Toronto. Lauren, if it had been uh, a trophy other than the Stanley Cup awarded for this anomaly of a season, what would that trophy have been? What would it have looked like? There was okay. So the I went to the Hockey Hall of Fame earlier this year, like right before all this shit went down, and there is um, there's a thing there. I'm forgetting the context for it, but there is Wayne Gretzky's feet. And it's like in gold. It's like a gold sort of cast of Wayne Gretzky's feet. And I think that should be the trophy 
in a in a year his like this? Bare feet or are, are his there bare feet, on? not his skates. <laughs> so it's like Wayne Gretzky's golden feet. Oh my god! So they should be out like, there showing feet. Is your yeah, advice? I to- think so. <laughs> I think that would sum up this year very well. Tyson to you NHL get- show feet, sweeties. <laughs> yeah, you should get his baby booties. <laughs> Like a pair of, of hand-knit baby booties for Gretzky. All right, give me, uh, give me the Eastern Conference. Oh, finals. the East is really weird. The East, so I'm talking right now on a Wednesday. Uh, game two is going to be tonight, and you'll probably be listening to this after that. But game one was crazy. The Lightning played like a truly flawless game. They won 8-2 to two against the New York Islanders. They looked Holy more shit. talented. They looked more confident. They just looked like just totally too much for, for New York to handle. But... I still believe in our beloved Islanders. I still believe in the magic of Offside Tavern. And I don't think the rest of the series is necessarily going to go like this. I do see the Islanders, you know, if not having enough to to knock out the Lightning, at least sort of bouncing back. I don't think every game is going to be such a blowout. Um, To that end, I don't really like... uh, I don't really like the Lightning. And I think if the Lightning win, I'm going to say that the season doesn't count. But if any of the other three, three teams win... I'm going to say that, that it counts. I'm going to do all that just to spite uh, former Deadspin video editor Tim Burke, who tweets about the Lightning, and, and I don't want to. The Lightning play beautiful hockey, but I just I don't think they should play hockey in Florida or Texas. So Yeah! The jury's yeah. still out on I, Nevada, but definitely, if, definitely if New York is okay. If your team has no geographical right to exist, I don't, I don't want it to win. I, feel I like agree. Long Island and Tampa Bay is like it's like an unofficial <laughs> battle between Trump boat parades. <laughs> like as a hockey series, it just doesn't strike me as being like one that has a lot of good guys. But just but, winter houses versus summer houses. Yeah, right. It's like retired policemen and active duty policemen. <laughs> I think it was you, Roth. You, uh, you saw the MAGA boat parade sinking, and you were like, "Oh my god, this is the best day of my life." It I really cannot. was. I needed to take a minute and like just start. that was the first story that I got. I've been away with my family and uh, that was, you know, sort of trying to stay more or less offline and out of the news cycle. And so the first real big story I got when I came back was like, so a, a bunch of assholes put their boats in a lake and they swamped each other's boats and the boats sank. And also there's like Trump flags everywhere and everyone's sunburned. It's terrible. Like that was the, I did not get eased back into consuming media. Like, it <laughs> I really like that. Like the a ima- spike of adrenaline to my heart. <laughs> I really like that the image of, and I'm not going to try to like politics nowhere this, this situation or anything, but like that the sort of quintessential image of a Trump voter is not like in 2016 when it was this sort of like working class roofer in Kansas or whatever. And now it's like, a guy who owns a boat but doesn't know how to yeah. keep it afloat. It's literally, it's like somebody who even other assholes are like, I don't know about Gary, man. <laughs> like, it's exactly, just yeah. the most overstated, like, rich, like, hot wife lifestyle divorce aficionado guy. Like, just <laughs> absolute ghouls. I love it, and I wish them all very well. I'm no, uh, I'm no Ahab, but I gotta tell you, it's, it's really fucking hard to sink just like a regular ass motorboat, the way that they managed to somehow flood their own motorboats. Like yeah, that's so not I, they're designed so that never fucking happens. And yet they'd like they waked each other into oblivion. It's astonishing. Yeah. So I read a really interesting like news you can use story on this from from the Financial Times, uh, where I go for all my boat related uh <laughs> news. And it basically like it, what we're dealing with is there's like a specific type of boat that Trumpy boaters like. Like, these aren't yachts. They're like motorboats or fishing boats or whatever. They're built a certain way. 
and they are designed to like plane up out of the water. I'm not going to um, do the whole explanation also because I don't remember it. I read it later at night. Uh, but the way that this happened, they basically used their boats in the worst possible way. Like this was like, the, the, you're right that it's very hard to sink a bunch of boats with nothing but a bunch of other boats. Especially, yeah. if, you, especially if you're going, they weren't going like 45 miles an hour. They were supposed to be going 10. But like they still somehow fucked it up because nobody planned it. Nobody communicated. Nobody played by the rules. And uh, if only there were a metaphor there, uh, I would surely take it. But as it is, it's just kind of just a wonderful thing that happened to a bunch of wonderful people. Yeah, they did boat donuts around each other like fucking Tough. idiots. Yeah, they're like, yeah, well, you hate it? You triggered? <laughs> it really is. It, it, to me, it's, it is different than 2016 because, and, you know, I, I this is maybe uh, – this may be wishful thinking, although I, I am a politics columnist, so my I traffic in imagined uh, politics <laughs> trends now uh, over at Jen. But it does seem to me like everyone really fucking hates the president, and the few remaining people still clinging have to be as loud and demonstrative as possible to f- make it feel as if their presence is larger than it actually is. I think yeah, I hence, can do that. Hence, shitty boat parades. Anyone who anyone who supports Trump. Will wear a MAGA hat just so they feel less alone because they know subconsciously that really everybody hates his fucking guts. I think the phrase like silent majority has always been sort of used to describe like Republican voters, but in this case, it like, I think it describes the people who are just kind of shrugging and voting for Joe Biden right now. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, I was going to write the take that because I watched, I watched some of the Democratic convention and I watched Biden's speech, and Biden's speech had a lot of, um, had a lot of unity stuff in it. And this was the shit that like Mayor Pete did that I just like, I could not make a strong enough wanking motion at that kind of talk. But the way Biden couched it was that, you know, we have to be unified to defeat uh, this, <laughs> this force of evil that happens to be leading the country. And then it clicked. I was like, all right, if we're all unified because we all want to beat the shit out of the president, then it makes total sense to me now. And I'm 100% on board with the unity of we're all unified because this guy's a fucking prick. Then I, I, then I was like, okay, I'm on, I'm on board with yeah, you, Biden, I mean, I, as much I, as I think you're a piece of shit. I want a more like ambitious politics than that uh, personally. But at the same time, like job one is obviously what it is. And like, I think that there's something Biden is, is too like nice. I mean, I think he's just too like sort of ameliorative about it. I don't know what he's actually like, but I think there's, it is worth pointing out that like the Trump, like sort of like he himself and his, his odious family, but then also like the most public followers and, you know, most robust supporters they have really are like the least liked Americans, like in any community, like it is just like kind of cretinous, like car dealership guys and actual like weird bigots and like and just like people that are very in your face with like how uh you know hungry for attention they are and how uninterested they are in you or your happiness like that's a that's a community of people that you can unify people against because they suck everybody knows them everybody grew up around people like that and nobody really ex- except for their rancid kids aspires to be that way yeah, that all tracks. Yeah, all right, me. sorry, sorry. Yeah, I got a little, uh, got a little fired up. My bad, Lauren. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I mean, 
I'm not going to make any sort of big pronouncements. And I think, I don't know, it's most interesting to me that I don't think anyone really agrees that Trump is more popular than Biden overall across the country. It's just, you know, a matter of uh, can the vote be suppressed enough? Can the Electoral College sort of work the way it does in his favor? It's not really a question of can he get the most support. It's just can he sort of figure out a way to win within the system that is currently set up for him? Yeah, that's that to me was like, I'm not afraid of Trump winning, like in any legitimate sense. It's just, I know Biden will win, but whether or not he will beat the fuckery that ensues after that. And that's that that is where I sort of stand on November right now. See, this is the sort of thing I think about to get myself less excited about the website. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we fucked up. We did it. It's launch week. Look at us. Hey, look at us. We did it. We fucked it up. We fucked it up by not sticking to sports. Oh. (laughs) Oh, Oh, irony. Where is your sting? Disgusting. Let's take a break and come back and stick to sports like like (laughs) blind assholes. We'll be right back. We're back. We're back. We're back to stick to sports. We're into the Fector Launch Week. Lauren Tyson is with us. Lauren, you are you regaled us with the NHL playoff minute, and I thank you for that. And in return, I get to subject you to an NFL season preview. Are you psyched? Are you pumped and jacked, Lauren Tyson? So if we get like a minute for the NHL, what do we get? Like forty five seconds for the NFL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. We get uh, as as no, we're counting down division fit. by division. Yeah, we actually. I'm literally going to make make us do that. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a couple things I want to ask you, Lauren, before I get into my picks, and you guys get to make fun of my picks. First of all, uh, do you believe this season will actually like end? In that there will be a Super Bowl? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'm going to kind of echo what Rada was saying last week, that like there is a product that needs to be made. It needs to be delivered. I don't know that it'll have fans. I don't know that it will have, you know, that many healthy players. I don't really know what it will look like, but there will be a playoffs and there will be a Super Bowl literally no matter what. It would take like, the destruction of the earth for there not to be a Super Bowl. Yeah. Are you excited for three wildcard teams in each conference now? Wow. <laughs> I don't really give a shit it's less ridiculous than what baseball is doing where the best team in the league could potentially only play two playoff games but it's still i don't know i'm a pro small playoffs uh person i don't really like it although i am interested in the the fact that the first round by now means so much and there's only one of them to give out in each conference i think that sort of raises the stakes in a sense but i don't know it's just going to be even more random and stupid than than it normally is I think it'll be I, fun to see some bad teams make the playoffs. But that already happened. Wild card means like there's a seven and nine team in there. Like I'll take it. Like I, I like things that are stupid. Yeah, I I can't agree with you. Like like the sixth team in each conference to make the playoffs is always just a piece of ass team. And it's going to so be the it's Bills. Like- it's going to be the Bills and the Lions <laughs> or something. No offense, obviously, to Lauren, who is a Lions fan who also jumps through tables on Sundays. Adrian By Peterson way, is used- going to take us to the playoffs. <laughs> I used the phrase piece of ass completely wrong there, and I apologize for that. Although I would have had to apologize if I had used it correctly. So just a complete piece of shit team. So I, I'm not I'm not happy about the three wildcard teams. I also think there's already 
glaring evidence of first round buys um, are a distinct playoff advantage. So to give it to one team that will somehow end up inevitably being the Patriots, even without Tom Brady, I just don't, I don't care for it. I don't like it. That said, you guys ready for some predictions? Let's hear it. Uh, sure. All right. Yeah. All right. I, I do these every season. You guys get to make fun of them. Let me go through division by division. I'm going to start with the NFC North because that's my home division. And uh, because I, you know, the, the sort of light reverse jinx, although it's not really a reverse jinx because I think they're the best team. I have Green Bay winning the division at nine and seven. Uh, and then the Vikings, Bears, and Lions all tied together at eight and eight. And because I'm a can we say I it's the this, can we say it's the Lions, Vikings, and Bears tied uh, tied at eight? No, no, no. no? The Vikings. Are you sure? The Vikings win all the tie. Vikings win all the tiebreakers. Fuck you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's done, so, Lauren. He's done the research. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't argue yeah. with that. I can't argue with that. that. To, that's an appropriately I've, disheartening uh, division to consider too. Yeah, One team God. wins more games than it loses. No team loses fewer games. <laughs> There's always a division like this every year where everyone is just abominably mediocre. But it's always the AFC South. Like, if there's two divisions that are like this this year, then, like, that's that's grim. Yeah, I well, I, I studied the strength of schedules, and the NFC North's mm, okay. mm, okay. average strength of schedule is actually very, very difficult. That's not true. Uh, that's actually also true of the AFC South. That's why everyone at, like, 7-9 to nine there. But it's not true of, uh, well, the easiest schedules is... Uh, is Kansas City is so the Super Bowl champion, and they also happen to get to play just a parade of puds. So they get the they get the Patriots treatment now. Go bully for them. Uh, well, <laughs> couldn't happen to a nice. Well, it is actually a pretty nice yeah. organization for it to happen to. I'll take it. Uh, let's go to the NFC South because I don't want Lauren uh, telling me that Detroit's going to win that division somehow. The <laughs> NFC South. I have uh, the Saints at a robust fourteen and two. Carolina at ten and six. That's my little sleeper team. Wow. Uh, the Bucks. I had them nine seven. I had them out of the playoffs before I remembered there was a third wild card team, uh, and so they get in as a third wild card team. And then the Falcons, the shitty ass Falcons at five and eleven. Lauren, do you agree with these picks or do you vehemently disagree? Can you remind me who's quarterbacking the Bucks now? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Brad Johnson. I think he's. I think he's. <laughs> I think he's done. I think he's toast. I don't, I'm not even certain he'll finish the season. I really don't. Who do they have behind him? Are they not? Well, let me tell you, Roth, your backup quarterback in Tampa Bay is Yo Gabbard Gabbard. Oh, wow. oh my God. Wow. A Blake playoff start. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm absolutely ready for that. Who do you like in this division, Lauren? Um, I mean, the Saints. I think the Falcons could be better. I don't know. I have like a weird sort of thing where I'm partial to the Falcons. Um, but Why? I think mean, it's all. Uh, it's sort of a long story. My brother is really, really into them. It's yeah, it's complicated. I just couldn't... that's not that's not that long of a story. That's very simple. Well, it's a longer story because it involves like the Lions being impossible to root for in the mid two thousands and some other complicating factors. But uh, I don't Fair know. Enough. I mean, it's it's you flip a coin in all of these situations, except for the teams that are really obviously more talented than the than the others, like the Saints. Like all of these teams hovering around eight and eight could just as easily go, you know, twelve and four. Yeah, What's I think the justification for the Panthers at ten and six is it just lo- uh, residual Bridgewater loyalty or? Yeah, I, I I really like Teddy. I think Teddy will do a, a good job. And I actually, I'm to- I totally drank the Kool Aid because I uh, I'd interview Christian McCaffrey for GQ prior to this, and he completely sold me on Matt Rule, even though Matt Rule uh, should you know 
He comes from Baylor. I, I have no right to have faith in anybody who comes from fucking Baylor. Yeah. But anyway, I think I think Rule will be a good coach, and, and Bridgewater is the right signing, and I think they'll go 10-6. I could be and will be hilariously wrong about that. But uh, You ready for the East, the most annoying? I think it's the most annoying division in football, Lauren. Yeah, I, I would agree. I have to always recuse in, myself from this. It's always mediocre. It's always in prime time. It just makes me sick That's to right, my baby. That's exactly and, right. To make myself even more nauseous, I have the Cowboys at 10 and 6 because I think they're the most talented team in the division. They're coached by Beeve, who's a complete asshat, and they'll ruin <laughs> everything. But uh, Then I have the Eagles at 8 and 8, uh, the Giants at 6 and 10, and of course the Washington Red to be named laters, thir- 3 and 13 as they were a season ago. They are arguably worse than they were a year ago. Which is uh, really but- saying quite a bit. <laughs> like It's remarkable. Uh- I I do the the problem is I do these predictions after I've done all the wire team sucks after writing all of them, so that I'm, I'm going through it. I'm like, well, none of these teams are going to win anything. They're all fucking terrible. Yeah, it's just really more of a reflection of how like convincingly those teams' fan bases are like every Sunday. I think of death. Like and like, <laughs> how compellingly can you make that case? Uh, the uh, the new Washington uniform, the particularly the helmets. Uh, I kind of think they echo UW a little bit, like the old UW helmets, mm-hmm. which, which actually makes them better, in my opinion. I like those helmets now more than the old helmets. I mean, the old helmets were obviously racist and looked like a, as I joke, they looked like a fucking commemorative penny. But like, <laughs> I, like I, I like the new fit. I, I kind of hope they don't change the name at all, but they will. They'll give it some, you know, they'll be called the troops or something shitty like that. If they kept Any, Washington football team, that would actually kind of be a flex. I would respect that. Yeah, I wouldn't like have brought Washingtons. Lauren, who do you like coming out of that division? I don't know. You saying Cowboys at ten and six kind of stands out to me in that I don't know. They just have never struck me as a team that has what it takes to to go far ever. Um, nope. They they're in that weird situation where they have undeniably very talented players. Um, you know, at least at like skill positions, but uh, they're just not good enough. But they're also not bad enough either for to be sort of worthwhile. They're just kind of going to be stuck in this weird like first round limbo for another few years, which means they could win yep. the division still. But I, I don't know. They seem awfully good to me. I like they always do. I mean, I'm just going by their rosters and stuff, and you know, having done fantasy drafts and stuff, that seems fair. Um, but there is something about them that is kind of like ineffably fucked in the jerry era where just like no matter how talented they get no matter what they get right there's always some other snake bit dorkiness that prevents them from like you know whatever playing in a conference championship game well that is, coach that's is what sh- i'm telling myself anyway their new coach is shit and yes. then i think i think the dak contract thing where they really should have extended him particularly uh before mahomes got his extension and before uh shit i'm gonna get I'm going to get the other. Someone else just got DeAndre an extension. Hopkins signed a huge. Yeah, Hopkins extension. got an extension and they and they didn't they didn't extend him in time and I think that completely fucked. Oh, and Deshaun Watson got a huge extension just yeah. now. So, I to me I think that will somehow manifest itself. Like I, I just you know, like I the second Dak has a bad game. And this is always true of Dallas, but the second Dak has a bad game this time, it'll be just an endless parade of Cowboys bros being like we should bring back Romo or some shit like, or because <laughs> Andy Dalton's got him. all the skills. Yep. So I, 
think all of that awaits Dallas, even though I think they're loaded. The West, I drank the Kool-Aid uh, for Kyler Murray. I have the Cardinals at 12 and 4 against 12 my veterans. 12 and 4. Center. Wonderful. Uh, the Seahawks at 11 and 5. The Niners, uh, standard NFC Super Bowl team regression at 9 and 7. And the Rams at a disgusting 6 and 10. Or I think McVay and Goff both fall Can off. Can you repeat the Cardinals? Sure. I thought you said 12 and 4. He I had he 12. Did. I had 12 and four. I'm a big believer in that when good quarterbacks get really good, then no matter what's around them, they can make a, a, a team that's otherwise chicken shit. Like they can 11, make impassable. I don't know if they can make them that good. I've, I've seen Aaron Rodgers do this year after fucking year with just shit, just total shit around him. <laughs> and they win 12 games because the refs love them like that. That's very optimistic of Kyler Murray to compare him to that, but okay. I am. Who do you like in the division then? Uh, I mean, the Seahawks look good. I think I would certainly take the uh, the experience of the Seahawks and the and the Niners over the the Cardinals and certainly the Rams right now. The Rams, I don't I don't really understand how they fell so far so fast. Like, what happened to Jared Goff? I'm legitimately asking. Weird bets on skill position dudes that didn't work out but i think with him whatever like i think his brief little boomlet of looking really good always felt kind of tenuous to me yeah because because mcveigh gave him told him where to throw and all that stuff yeah and he's when he's allegedly Bowl, like just a really kind of stupid person i don't know yeah, that for a fact, and, but <laughs> and and then like bella and then belichick undressed them with a simple quarters defense in the super bowl and then everyone copied it after that, and they just had the blueprint, and that was kind of it. And they never really, in my mind, recovered after that. So here is what I have. I have in the three wildcard games, not two, but three, I have the Seahawks beating the Packers, the Panthers beating the Cowboys, and the Cardinals beating... Oh my uh, god, you have yeah, them winning say, a playoff game? Yeah, I have them beating Blaine Gabbert in the Bucks. Oh, uh, okay. in, well. in the divisional round, I have uh, the Seahawks beating the shit out of the... Uh, out of the Cardinals, and then the Saints beating the shit out of the uh, the Carolina Panthers. It's like it's a championship of Seahawks versus Saints, which is relatively chalk, I think, in a lot of regards. But I have the Seahawks winning on the road in New Orleans. So it's, the Seahawks are my NFC champion. I think Kyler Murray uh, beating Brady in the playoffs would actually be more fun than than what happened last year yeah, you with could, the Titans. You could pretty much stop the season there. Give everybody a, a cast of, I don't know, uh, whatever, Casey Weldon's feet. And just call it a season. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, dude, dude. The the Titans beating the shit out of Brady last year when we didn't have a website. Oh, what I would have excruciating. Really I would have I would have blogged just the most obnoxious, incoherent post, just saying, "Yeah, take that, fuckers, <laughs> fuck Barstool," and it just would have been, it just would have been eight hundred words of just recycled gobbledygook. But I would have loved writing it. <laughs> All right, so who do you have coming out of the NFC Roth? I mean, the Saints seem awfully good. Um, I feel like you're low on the Niners. Like, I didn't understand exactly what they were doing last year, but they were pretty obviously the best team in football for a lot of the season, like them and the Ravens. And the Ravens looked that, like, the fraudly way that their season ended in the postseason has led to, like, a hangover for me. I still feel like the, the 49ers are very good. Isn't there some sort of trend like I, where, like, the Super Bowl loser, like, never gets back to the playoffs? No, that's definitely true, and there's definitely, and Drew's right that, like, NFC, whatever, like, Super Bowl teams do tend to, like, spend a lot of time going 9-7 and seven right after they win, even though, you know, the roster still look good and the coaching staff is still there and all that. It's just, I don't, I, to me, like, 
Seahawks and, and Saints makes a lot of sense. A lot of what you had before that seemed awfully weird, but there's also <laughs> like, I, you know, who's to say? Like I all the stuff that I'm used to kind of like believing in, like it does seem like there's this sort of heightening of of bets. And like, especially, I mean, the Packers at this point, like, seem like they're playing some sort of elaborate prank on Aaron Rodgers more than anything <laughs> else. Like, where, like, the whole idea is basically like, well, all right, like, it, what Belichick is doing in New England is the same, where it's like, what is the absolute minimum that we can win our usual 10 games with? And right, seems right, right. unwise, uh, and it's also sort of just hard for me to credit to looking at it like that. But yeah, I I, uh, it's a failure of imagination on my part more than anything else. Obviously, that's not a problem for you because you've got the Cardinals uh, winning 12 games and then a playoff game. But like I, you know, that's as far as I'm able to go. It's going to be a completely fucking weird season. Like if you told me that Joe Burrow wins a Super Bowl his rookie year because every like certain teams are addled by COVID and and there are empty stadiums and like and no one had a preseason or anything like that, I would believe you. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't do the standard what like football yeah. nowhere thing. I just it, the the standings are always like a 50, 52 card pickup after the fact. Like, but I think this this year more than other years, it'll be even more pronounced in my opinion. Yeah, let's go to the AFC. Yes, Lauren Tyson. I have in the uh, in the AFC North. Uh, I still think the uh, the Ravens are loaded, so I have them winning the division at fourteen and two. Uh, because I love my son Joe Burrow, I have the Bengals at nine and seven. Wow, playoff spot. You're so high the on Steelers, young quarterbacks. I know. Yeah, the Steelers Especially ones that also. look like him. <laughs> yep. Well, like Kyler that Murray. Actually, that that actually will be untrue in just a few minutes. Yeah, I, know. I have the Steelers also winning a playoff spot at nine and seven against my against my wishes, and then the Browns. Uh, even though I like Kevin Stefanski, former offensive coordinator of the Vikings. Like, I think they actually made the right choice of coach, but I think the Browns roster is absolute shit, and I don't think Baker Mayfield is good, so I have them at 4-12. and 12. Lauren, what do you think? Yeah, the Browns are a real bummer of the team because it looked like for a year or two that they maybe were doing, like, kind of all the right things, but it just, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer to not see that work out. But, yeah, you're right in that the Ravens are just, like, head and shoulders above everyone else in this division. Browns just also, can't stop being the Browns. Like hiring the right coach is like shocking. Like I honestly can't think of the last time they did that. <laughs> like a guy they where, didn't. The, the answer to that is never. I think I thought Rob Chudzinski uh, like was competent because he was another like good coordinator they hired away. But he was there for like whatever fourteen games, and also his name was like Rob Chudzinski. I should probably have been like, oh right, it says right there. But even even when they hired the greatest coach of all time they fucked it up and it was like it was the worst possible version of the greatest football coach yeah of all that time. is actually very funny that that's like maybe the the biggest testament to like belichick's legacy is that he routinely went eight and eight with the browns <laughs> like, they thought it was impossible like but he did right it. like right. yeah winning super bowls is cool but what about a wild card game with literally the fucking browns Let's go to the South. Uh, I have three teams tied at the top at seven and nine. Uh, I have the Colts winning the division through tiebreakers, the Titans, who I think are demonstrably worse, even with the Clowney signing, and then the Texans, who I know are worse, if only because of the psychological hangover of blowing a fucking 24 nothing lead against the Chiefs. Uh, and then the Jaguars, who I think are probably the worst team in football now that they've sold everybody. Uh, I have them at one and 15. Lauren, who do you like out of the division? Oh, you might as well just... I mean, every team here feels just, like, fundamentally broken in one way or yep. another. 
So such a good division, dude. I love it. <laughs> I, I love that it's always seven. Like they don't even have winning records. There's always a playoff team coming out of this division below 500. It just whips. Yep. It's just a fucking. Just a miserable division that I wish was shoved off the face of the earth. In the East, uh, everyone oddly is in accord that Buffalo is going to win the division. That is why really? I did not have Buffalo winning the division. I have I have Cam Newton and the Pats going 10 and 6. Uh, then I have the Dolphins, who I really do think uh, I, I think they did hire the right coach in Brian Flores. I will eat those words, and you, you can go ahead and clip this and and pound me in the fucking skull with it after the after they go six and ten. But I have them making the playoffs at nine and seven. The Bills I also have a nine seven, but they are out of the playoffs. And the Jets, who I think probably have the worst roster in football outside of Jacksonville, I have them at three and thirteen with Gase getting the gate like in three weeks. Lauren, who do you like? What dropped the Jets down this year? Because like look, I, I'm not gonna be one to sort of advocate for the Jets, but I mean what, seven and nine last year and now their division is a little easier maybe? Okay, they went seven and nine. They played nobody in those set when those seven victories, like they started, they had a terrible start. I want to say 0 and 7 or 0 and 8 in that realm. I'm going to get that wrong. And then they beat no, the, the set of the, the seven wins were all dead cat bounce wins. They just beat shitty teams. Okay. With the exception of Dallas, they had a hilariously fluky win against Dallas in the Meadowlands. But uh, they also uh, they just traded away Jamal Adams because Jamal Adams was like, I fucking hate playing for this coach. And everyone hates playing for that coach. And so they don't have him. The line is awful. They have no wideouts. The wideout core is like embarrassingly bad. And I think it's it's more than possible that Sam Donald, my beloved ex-son, is not really all that good of a quarterback. I'm trying so to that's think why if I, I can I'll stop talking about actual the wide receivers on the Jets. Jamison Crowder, I think, is there, right? He's like their best receiver. Louder with Crowder, a legend. Um, yeah, he is their that's their number one. Like, I yep. don't know who the other guys are. Is Jericho Cotchery back? No, no. I, <laughs> Brashad yeah, Perriman? Chris oh, Brashad uh, Perriman. That's a very Jets guy to have. Like a dude that was a high draft pick somewhere, bombed out, sort of bounced back, and then they're like, we know just the thing that's going to unlock his potential. Living in suburban New Jersey and getting screamed at by Adam Gase. Yeah, let me let me go through the depth chart. Yeah, so your starters are Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perriman, who had sort of a bounce back year last year in yeah. Tampa, but nobody buys that. Uh, and then uh, immortal white receiver Chris Hogan. Uh, <laughs> oh, behind, nice. behind them, you have Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios, Vincent Smith, spelled V-Y-N-C-I-N-T, okay. and the immortal Josh Dotson, who's already hurt. Josh Johnson, the the Washington dude, the the guy that was the like Washington the fifth dude, pick he, of the draft or whatever. Yeah, he was he was the guy drafted right behind Laquan Treadwell, who was somehow an even worse pick, and uh, and he flamed out in Washington, went to Minnesota last year, got hurt instantly, and then went to the Jets and is hurt now. So that is an incredibly dire yeah backfield. Kind of is a, a pretty great way to signal to your fans that you're not trying to win this year. But yep. If you sell some Jamison Crowder jerseys in the process, who's going to complain, right? I'd buy. Also, uh, also Joe Flacco's your backup quarterback. You're going to see Joe Flacco in a game this year. Nice. It's going to hurt. Uh, and then we come to the West. Lauren Tyson, uh, predictably, I have the Chiefs uh, almost running the table at fourteen and two. Denver with Drew Locke, who I like. He's seven and nine. Uh, and then uh, Vegas and the Chargers both going five and eleven. Those are both shitty teams in my estimation. Who do you like? I hope Vegas goes one in fifteen. Uh, 
But in general, I, yeah, yeah, this is like the AFC North where like the Chiefs are just so much better than every other team. And I, I, I can't get behind Drew Locke. I feel like you only like him because you share a name with him. Yeah, but there are Drews I don't like. Like okay. I don't really like Drew Barrymore all that much. What about the, like, Drew? What about Doctor Drew Pinsky? Yeah, he sucks. In yeah, fact, there you go. I mean, he, I think he, now you can take back the Drew Barrymore slander, which I'm. He sucks. About. He sucks. He's a fucking quack. And not only that, I just wrote a take today for uh, for SF Gate uh, about uh, how much Adam Carolla sucks, and I made sure to get in a Doctor Drew jab because Doctor Drew is a fucking quack. They're linked so. together forever Goddamn in my mind. Right anyway. There. So let's go to uh, my my uh, AFC playoff predictions. I have the Patriots beating the Dolphins uh, in the first wild card game. The Colts beating the Bengals, and then the Chiefs because of the shitty new seating uh, structure beating the Steelers. So then in the divisional round, I have the Chiefs uh, beating the shit out of the Patriots, and then I have the Ravens beating the Colts. So I have the AFC championship everyone wanted last year and didn't get. I have the Ravens and the Chiefs, and I have the Ravens beating the Chiefs uh, for the AFC title. Who do you guys like out of the AFC? And really, it's between the Ravens and the Chiefs, Lauren. Patriots over Ravens. We live in hell. Oh. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, that definitely is darkest timeline uh, outcomes there. The Ravens and Chiefs seem a lot better than everyone else to me. I don't see, I, again, this is my limited imagination. I don't know why the Chiefs wouldn't win again. Like they seem better, they are they are better, and they're, they're better than they I were think either. that that's like and you know the Ravens seem are are also very good and you know like better health and better luck and all kinds of other things could make that closer to me. But like the Chiefs just seemed a lot better than everybody else last year, and then they improved their roster. Like I would love to see them win the Super Bowl again if that's what it comes down to. Well, bad news for you because in a twist, my Super Bowl champion is ba, 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 ba. Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers. <laughs> no, it's the Seattle Seahawks. I have them oh, beating the oh, Ravens thirty to nice twenty nine. I, I I think I think before his career is done, Russell Wilson will win another title. So I may as well have it this year. How much uh, thought did you put I into thirty versus thirty twenty nine? I'm just curious. What made me do that? Yeah, I don't know. I figured it'd be a good game, so I was like, it'll be one point, and someone will score thirty. So. You don't see a lot of 29s. Yeah, I was just trying to think through in my head how are we talking like a missed two-point conversion somewhere down the it line? It might. I don't think it's a scoregami. I can look. Hang on a second. I'm sure it's not unprecedented. I'm certain I'm certain that it's not 30 to 29. Hang on. Hang on. All Move right. All right. Uh, five games have ended 30 to 29. The last one uh, was last year. And oh. it was the Seattle Sea, the same goddamn Seattle Seahawks. They beat the wow. Rams 30 to 29. Truly that's an attention to detail that you don't get on other podcasts. Yeah, that's right. That's I, I researched it beforehand before I predicted the score of 39, 30 to 29. That's completely true. Completely. Utterly. Yeah, I just gotten really into tarot during the uh, <laughs> quarantine period. So like, this is, a lot of this is true. Yeah. Turned well, let's over get to a the card that had uh, Jared Goff and a hot air balloon flying into a power line. Sad. That's a terrible so, card. Why do they make so, that? So there's your NFL preview. Uh, by the time you're reading this, uh, hopefully you will begin reading Wire Team Sucks previews. Uh, the way we're going to do Wire Team Sucks this year, you're going to get four previews a day for eight days. So you're going to go through the first weekend uh, all the way up to the cusp of week two. So you'll get four of those previews a day. And you're going to get a Jamboree uh, on Thursday. Uh, provided we are live on 
uh, Thursday or today. Damn. Uh, the whole site's yeah, just going to be not- drewmcgarry.com on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. None Which of I'm not complaining do anything. It's, it's so great. good. Yeah. This, is, this is what we were all sort of dreaming for. So Drew's going to do some blogs. I'm going to appear on podcasts outside of the network and sleep late. Yeah. I'm going to guest here, you know, maybe a few times a year. It's all good. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was one of the first people into the the CMS, the dash, because I had all the all the wire team sucks ready to go. So I load them all up and there were like 20 posts there. And they they all had my byline and I was like, yeah, baby, <laughs> I am a god. <laughs> Good to look at. Let's uh let's play mashup time. You ready for a mashup, Lauren? No, but I you'll do oh, it yeah, anyway. We, we do this now, Lauren. Sorry, I should have no, I'm aware. probably told you. I was I, uh, I was sort of I braced for it. I didn't subject Rado to one last week, and that is Is it at least my... tailored to like sort of my age? And nope, the, not no. even close. No, no, you're 13. No, it'd yeah. be like two different white lion songs. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, but you, uh, you, uh, you listen to a lot of old person shit. You listen to like fish, so like you know, you may as well be like 58. Fish is a very modern and cutting edge band. Drew, start singing. <laughs> uh, all right, here I go. I can't remember anything, can't tell if this is true or dream on. Dream on, dream on, dream I know this one. your dreams come true. Oh, I know this one. It's Metallica really and Aerosmith. Well. That's right. It's Metallica and Aerosmith. Hey. Very, very easy one. See, it was, it was boomer shit, but it was very recognizable boomer yeah. shit. Let's drink from the poison chalice this week, uh, Lauren, and, uh, and get, get a bad take. You ready for a bad take? Sure. After that mashup, I feel like I can do anything. He's going to sing I, the take, too. <laughs> Again, I should have warned you about this stuff. It has to be in the, the thing that we send to guests. I'm sorry. Before I do this, let me be insensitive to dirty, filthy Italians and ask how I pronounce Chris uh, Chalissa's Calissa? name. Calissa? <laughs> he just says Saliza. Calissa? Is it Saliza? Chilizza. 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 Va bene. How do I pronounce it? Chalissa? Saliza. Saliza. Yeah, thanks, right? S- more like Salizi. Get him. Huh? Uh, this is a tweet from CNN uh, after, uh, I got to give this context, Jeffrey Goldberg of The Atlantic published a, uh, a piece uh, where uh, it, was, it was Trump saying that uh, anyone who fought in a war was a loser and a sucker, and he basically hates veterans and he thinks they're fucking stupid and worthless. And so CNN tweeted out, we're left with this dilemma. Jeffrey Goldberg, who authored The Atlantic piece, insists the story is true. President Trump insists the story is false. Both of those views can't be right, writes Chris Chaliza. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's true. This man it, gets it, paid it, $8 yeah. million dollars a year. It's incredible. Yeah. I love um, that. He, yeah, he literally gets paid like a ML, like a just a backup infielder on a major league baseball team to do a that. A veteran backup infielder. Yeah, yeah. He's getting the Jack Wilson money. It is, it is remarkable how far incompetence can take you. So speaking of which, let's get to the guy of the week. I mean, Roth, I think you're going to remember this guy because you're a lapsed giant fan. Your guy of the week, Keith Elias. Oh, yeah. He's a Princeton Great. football legend. Lauren, the, uh, even if you were my age, there'd be no excuse for you to know who Keith Elias is. As you are not my age, I'm assuming that this is a big no from you. No, this doesn't ring any bells. So, well, there's no reason why you should remember him. He was a, a running back at Princeton who set a bunch of team records and then... Uh, when you account for the difference between being a really good Ivy League football player and being in the NFL, his job on the Giants was uh, being on the kick team and running as fast as he could directly into a blocker and injuring himself. You're uh, you're not going to believe this, uh, given that he went to Princeton, but Keith Elias was white and uh, <laughs> actually was was preferred by some of the Giants as the running back at the time. When he was he heady. Was 
He really yeah. knew what he was doing. And then honestly, that was like an argument, like a, a very specious line of argument, uh, like that you'd hear on sports talk radio, which was funny because then you'd watch him on special teams and it's like, even by special team standards, like he was like, like a, like a broken remote control car that would just go straight until it bumped into something and then turned over. That was his Yeah, move. he was like he was like a slightly more nimble Tommy Vardell. That was kind of his thing. Did he like have he, do you have his uh stats handy? Did he get like 15 carries in the NFL? More than No, that? no, no, he had he had more than that. Like he had he had a I want to say a relatively productive career. Hang on a second. The, well, it's funny whenever you google somebody, one of the first things that comes up is uh net worth. Like Yeah. It's one of the Keith, fill-in things. Keith Lowe's girlfriend. Wife, feet. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, you're right. All right, Keith Elias, uh, for his career, he had five years with the Giants. He had 42 carries for 124 yards. Hell yeah. I like those odds. I can't believe I said he was productive. He was fucking awful. He was productive. He was a special teams guy. You can make a living doing that. And I'm sorry, he had had three years with the Giants and then two years with the Colts. Just an astonishing resume. Wow. What a guy to remember. You have picked some very deep guys so far. It Frisman Jackson. Like these are dudes that had like one or two good games. Can I remember a returner <laughs> from my youth? Can I can I add a guy to the mix? Yeah, please. Yes, please. Does anyone remember Eddie Drummond? Yes. Yep. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. He was good. Yeah. He, I mean he wasn't Eddie good, Drummond but he, he like got the, a few uh, kick sixes. Eddie had I I'm, I'm virtually certain Eddie had two uh either punt returns or kickoff returns for a touchdown in a single game. And that's why I remember him. That sounds right, because the thing about kick returners, though, is that, like, you know, if they're good, even, you know, 95% of the time, it's still, like, very disappointing. So I feel like that sort of describes a lot of the Lions experience of that time, where it's, like, (laughs) every sort of punt or kickoff, you'd get really excited, and then, you know, the vast, vast majority of the time, nothing would happen. That's such Uh, a a, a bad team thing, too, where, like, your punt returner is legit the best player on your team. Yeah. The Browns had that, where it's, like, where Josh Cribbs was the only guy that was good. And you can watch these like Josh Cribbs highlight mixes from the early aughts where it's just like him returning kickoffs as his team progressively goes down by seven more points. And then he like returns them for 80 yards for a touchdown. And they're like, oh, he's really almost keeping him in this game. Remarkable. <laughs> Keith, uh, Keith Elias had more receiving yards in his career than rushing yards. He also, he never fumbled. So isn't that so scrappy? That's yeah. why the coaches love him. That's why we love him. You're right for a fun bag question, Lauren Tyson. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, this is from Jeff. Why doesn't anyone in the movies or TV ever finish their meal or drink? Every time they make a dramatic exit, they leave like 10 bucks worth of perishables just sitting there. If I saw an actual person do this, I'd have them arrested. <laughs> Little known fact about Hollywood actors and actresses, they do not eat. They subsist yeah, they entirely on steroids and diet pills. So it's there, but it's, you know, it's just props. They wouldn't know what to do with it. Right. They move stuff around. In many cases, they have hollow bones, and so even lifting a fork would be very difficult. It's complicated. <laughs> I have I, noticed that. I, I mean, whatever. It's the sort of thing where, like, I always feel bad for noticing it, and then worse for getting upset about it. <laughs> like when people in, in bars in movies are like, "Let me get a beer." Like you have to be more specific at a bar. Like it's not like every bar has got like craft IPAs or whatever, but they all have more than one beer. I I definitely remember. It's a cheat because, first of all, you can't you can't just – usually they don't want to waste time showing people eat in a movie. But the few times that they do show people eating or drinking a beer – like I remember Harrison Ford drinking a Budweiser in The Fugitive while he's like making a phone call. And I remember – well, I'm saying I remember, but now I'm trying to think of some time I did see somebody 
actually eating on screen. Well, they, I remember uh, Belushi eating uh, everything in the cafeteria in Animal House, of course. So, like, when, yeah, there's Samuel Jackson tasting the the hamburger in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, there should be more eating on camera. It's I I worked on ad shoot. I I think I've told the story before, where it was for York peppermint patty, and we began the shot. We had we didn't use a York peppermint patty. We used a model York peppermint patty. If you see candy in a commercial, it's almost always fake. Like it's 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 a model that they use so that it doesn't melt under the. But spotlight. even a York peppermint patty is like like flame retardant. Like there's not a lot of natural ingredients involved in that. That really you would you would. I mean, think, I trust you, and yet so we started every shot with the with the guy pulling the patty away from his mouth. And that tricks your mind into, into thinking that you're watching him bite it, like it's called a cheat. So they don't, they have, there's a lot of odd uh, workarounds that work as sort of optical illusions. And, but as, as a result, you think you're seeing more eating on camera than you're actually seeing. So I would like more of people stuffing their faces on camera. I agree with that fully. I, I mean, Brad Pitt in the Oceans movies generally is good for eating a sandwich during a scene. There's a movie that I have not... So when I was a kid, this was something I did that made me more cool and made people admire me and like me more, was I would read that big Leonard Malton movie guide, which was just the <laughs> thing that my parents would have flying around I the totally house. I totally did that. So they'd buy, buy a new one every year and I'd read it. And I remember there was a horror movie that had Klaus Kinski in it, the legendarily psychotic but occasionally great actor in Werner Herzog movies. But he would also do these B movies because he had like a million ex-wives and alimony and just a lot of problems, a lot of, a lot of monkeys to feed. And the thing that I remember from this little preview, all the, the Malton reviews were like three sentences long because the book is the doorstop, but it's got, you know, every movie that was available on home video. And it described Kinski, the phrase was nonchalantly munching on a sandwich during otherwise tense scenes. And I've always, I've always, first of all, loved that writing. And second of all, wanted to see the movie to just see a bunch of people in like a cheap monster movie being like, do you think you can hear us? And then they just like pan over and Kinski's got just mustard on both sides of his mouth. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, what were you talking about? Like, I think that's, that sounds excellent to me. Yeah. No, I would, I would, I would watch that. He was a fucking terrible critic, just a fucking awful yeah. Critic. He was a he was a purred happily type, but it seemed I, like I he used, was happy. He was Pete Hammond before Pete Hammond. I used to go through that stupid guide and look for him, look for pan, like he hated Animal House, and I used to just like read his bad reviews and just say, "This guy's a piece of shit." I used to read the talking. internet to learn about movies. Yeah, see, we couldn't do that because they didn't have it yet. Yeah, yeah, oh. like. You had, you had to get a fucking phone book of movie reviews from either Malden or Ebert. No, I remember yeah. seeing that at my parents' house once and never really understanding the use My parents it. still have it. Everything that's ever entered my parents' house is still there. It's in the it, upstairs bathroom with like a such, Garfield book. Yeah, those are such classic parent books to have around. It's just astonishing. As I, as I look at the Scrabble dictionary that's on my shelf. Yeah, uh, I will, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I will at some point like run down the actual contents of my parents' bathrooms because there's like, there's a scorebook from a Mets game uh, in like 1997 there that I'm sure is still there. Uh, the feature story is about Lance Johnson and it's called Getting to Know One Dog. Like, I, all of this stuff is still very fresh in my mind. I just need to remember to write it all down when I'm out there next. You could write a blog post about it because we have a blog. There's now. no it's- room on the website, it's all Drew. Lauren, thank you for having us for this, the inaugural 
uh, distraction podcast for the launch of Defector.com. You guys, you should go to Defector.com and you should subscribe so we can have jobs. That would be very, very, very kind of you. Lauren, you've been a fantastic guest. Would you like to come on again sometime? Yeah, I'd love it. I'm so honored to have been here for this momentous week. Yeah, I'm and, glad that we're picking it back up where we left uh, off. This feels you know good. what? Yeah, it was it was a tough it was a tough day uh, when we did our last podcast together, Lauren, and it is now a joyful and and extremely pleasant day. And I am no longer grumpy. I am very fucking excited to work mm-hmm. with you guys. Me too. Brandon Nix is the producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer, and Stitcher's chief content officer is Chris Bannon. You can also listen to ad free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium, and you can do that and get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcherpremium.com and using the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you listen. When you rate us, say nice things. You say mean things. Well, I'll say mean things about you. How you like that? Right to your face. Right to your face. See you next week. Bye. Bye.